Hi, welcome to another episode of the Deck Arts Podcast. Today I'm here with Hannah Winokur, and she's going to be talking to us about the Annabellum home she cataloged this summer in New Orleans through her job at the Historic New Orleans Collection, which is a museum, research center, and publisher dedicated to preserving the history and culture of New Orleans in the Gulf South. Hannah, you worked specifically on the Classical Institute of the South, which I read about briefly, which gathers and shares information on the history of the Gulf South's material culture through field survey work and uh, cataloging historic objects in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, dating from the 18th century to 1865. Um, how, do, how are the homes chosen, or how did you decide where to start your field work? Okay, well, I think I would move from, I don't know if you read on the website, it was started by a lawyer who, um, who has a connection, who had a connection to um, an, an old family home that was in his family, um, and he was just really passionate about, about collecting antiques and about researching them. So he started this, you know, this project, and from there it's just, it's just grown. Um, basically, the museum kind of fosters connections with uh, private collectors and uh, house museums in the Gulf South. They're meeting at local antique forums and such um, around the around New Orleans and around you know, the Gulf South. So um, my research coordinator, she has um, met some of these people um, at the Natchez uh, Antiques Forum in Natchez, Mississippi. Um, so over the years, um, it's been going on since 2011, and every summer, they go to different homes in, you know, Mississippi and Alabama and Louisiana. Um, this summer, we went to Natchez, Mississippi, um, which actually has the largest collection um, of historic, of preserved um, antebellum homes in the United States. Wow. Yeah. So that, we, we spent quite a while there. We were there for about two and a half weeks. Oh, wow. That's so cool. So, where, did you... Reach so I assume people are still living in these homes, correct? Yes, a lot of them are private homes. And so, how do you go about sort of introducing yourselves and explaining what you're doing? Um, well, my research coordinator is in touch with them first, and they basically kind of explain about the Louisiana Digital Library, which is the database, the database that the Historic New Orleans Collection um, uh, is in charge of. And they basically just say, you know, we're going to go into your home. Um, we want you to tell you the. Uh, we want you to discuss the provenance of anything that's been in your in, in your family or you know is to have been in the area since before 1865. So we can go into these people's homes and they'll be, they'll start discussing you know a painting and they'll say you know this is my great 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 grandfather. Um, this has been in our home for generations. And then from there, our research coordinator will uh, will start researching it further after. Um, during this year. Wow, that's so interesting. And so it, you guys do like paintings, furniture, silver, and then you mentioned portrait miniatures as well. Um, yeah, basically all, all decorative art. Textiles too, we found some really cool samplers from the 1820. Wow, so are these all in their attics or? No, a lot of these people, you go into these, these houses and um, a lot of these things are on display. They're just in their living room. They're they're in their dining room. There was one woman we went into her house, and she's like, "Oh, I'll get my old silver." And she came out, you know, with Tiffany silver from the 1860s. 
That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So they're still using these items. Yeah, some of them are still, some of these people are still using these items. Um, they're very much a part of their, you know, daily life. And that's what's so interesting about this project is, I mean, we're documenting and recording these items that, you know, that are still in the everyday use uh, of these families. They're not, we're not going to put them in museums. They're literally just in these people's homes. Yeah, you mentioned um, that these, um, that their stories are sort of like preserved through their decorative arts. And you mm-hmm. mentioned that that's so rare in America because our country's so young and um, a lot of the items tend to be ephemeral as well. So it's just cool to have some of these things to look back on. Especially that it's stayed in the family. I mean, you can, anyone in America can go to an auction or an antique store and buy something, you know, from the 18th century. But really rare to be like, oh, okay, no, this has been in my family since, you know, the 1780s. That's not, like, you hear that in England, but you don't really hear that in the U.S. Yeah, that's so interesting. I bet it was so fun to go through those houses with the owner themselves. Yeah, really, really interesting. So you went to Natchez, and then where else did you go? Was there a few other places? So in Natchez, we did private homes, and then we did um, a historic house museum called Rosalie um, that is owned by the Daughters of the American Revolution. So that was a bit of a different experience because mm-hmm. that's a working uh, house museum. So, um, and then after Natchez, we went to um, what's called the Black Belt of Alabama to Wilcox County and documented um, a bunch of houses in Wilcox County. And were those private homes, or was it a mix of private and um, more like museum homes? Um, with Alabama, it was only private homes. Okay. That's so fun. I bet the private homes, did you have a preference? Did you prefer the private homes to the museum homes, or did you? were they sort of equal? You know, they each have their own special thing. Um, for me, with the private homes, it was interesting because I'm seeing things that, you know, are not documented by a museum. As with Rosalie, um, these things are already kind of haphazardly documented, um, but people already know about it. It's already There's already been, you know, um, people documenting them, but we just kind of want to go further in depth with stuff in, in, in the historic homes. Yeah, so I actually have a question about that. So how do you go through and document these items? Do you write, um, like, papers about them? Do you put them into a museum system? How do you do go about doing that? So, okay, so it's me, um, another fellowship student, and the research curator. And three of us come in, we have professional photography equipment. And um, every day, one of us acts as a photographer, um, and one of us acts as, you know, a note taker. So we have an Excel spreadsheet, and we have, um, we, write, we give each item a number, and then we write about materials, um, the provenance, um, a description, we measure it, um, we get a little bit of a history from the family or from the owner, um, and we just go about, you know, basically just taking notes on these items in a spreadsheet, and then um, when we get back to the historical world's collection, uh, the research curator for the rest of the year will spend her time really doing in-depth research. Wow, that's so interesting. So... You, do you think that you'll then, 
um, will these items then pop up on be populated up on the database through the through the website? Is that how it works? Are these accessible? Like once she's done sort of further documenting them and such. Yeah, this will be once it's um, once it goes live on the website, the Louisiana Digital Library, which is that you can access through um, the CIS website. Um, anybody, if it's through for it's free, anybody can access um, all the information about these items, and they'll have you know pictures with them. Oh wow, that's so cool! And I'll post that um, just for everyone listening. I'll post the link to all of this, so. Um, you'll have access to that and won't have to like go through and Google. I'll post all that. Um, Hannah, I also noticed that there are a few other homes that I saw via your Instagram, which was fun to follow, that you went to Longwood, Donleith, Historic Inn, and Stanton Hall. Um, Were those just personal trips that you did, or were those also through your work? Um. It was kind of a little bit of both. Um, the Tosco Institute of the South had already documented those historic houses, um, and they're very big tourist attractions in Natchez. So being that, you know, our job this summer was to catalog these houses, the research uh, coordinator and curator said that it was really important to kind of look at, um, you know, the houses that CIS has already documented and that are important to Natchez. So we went around and just, you know, explored them basically on the weekends on our own time. Wow, that's so fun. Are there any others that you went to that you were particularly excited about? Um, well, in Alabama, there was um, a house called Magnolia Grove and then a house called Gainswood. Um, Gainswood, I think the Possible Institute of the South will be um, documenting next year. And it's, I think, um, I forgot the name of the man who lived there. They called him, like, the Thomas Jefferson of the South because his house is... The way it's, um, the structure of the house is, is similar to Monticello. So, um, and he was considered, you know, very innovative for his time. So, if, I mean, if your listeners really like historic houses, I would check out, I don't know if they have a website, but Gameswood in, um, in Alabama, in Demopolis, Alabama. It's very interesting. So that's really interesting that you went to all these cities, um, did you have, like, a home base, or did you sort of jump from city to city while you are working on your research? So, um, in the, uh, for orientation week, we were at the Historic New Orleans collection, and we stayed at an apartment on Royal Street that was a friend of, um, owned by a friend of someone who worked in the, in the Historic New Orleans collection. Um, once we were in Natchez, Mississippi, we were actually hosted by this woman, Mimi Miller, who um, is the head of the Historic Natchez Foundation. Um, and she's the one who kind of is in charge of helping us, you know, find all these different houses in Natchez. She knows everybody in Natchez. Um, so that was a really great connection. They have a great relationship. She has a great relationship with the Historic New Orleans collection. Um, and then we were in a private home when we were in Alabama, which uh, was, it was a parent of an antiques dealer that my research coordinator had met at, um, at Nancy's Forum. So it's really about, you know, it's just a very small field. Everybody kind of knows each other from forums and from other, you know, other gatherings and symposiums. Um, so that's kind of how we were able to stay in all these places. 
Yeah, that's neat. It seems like a sort of close-knit community down there then. Yeah, it really is. It's, um, at the end, my, my fellowship, they culminated in, um, the historic New Orleans uh, collection uh, antiques forum, um, and a lot of the people that were there, um, some of them were the owners of the houses that I had visited. So it's really if you're interested in decorative arts and antique homes, um, you know, you go to the same types of events, really. Yeah, that's interesting. So um, is it is that an interest of yours now that you've been down there? I know that it's sort of similar to the time period you like. Um, but do you find yourself being pulled back to the South? Do you think that's something you'll explore in your future studies? I think I might. Um, yeah, to me it's very interesting. Like I said, um, I feel like in England, you know, people have this connection to um, this opportunity to, to meet people that have, you know, had things in their generation, in their family for generations, as the United States is a little harder to find, and I feel like the South has a real sense of heritage, um, so I think it is something, if you're interested in 18th and 19th century decorative art, I think the South is actually, like, an untapped resource for studying, um, for studying those types of decorative art, because it's not very well-researched or documented. I think there's only one book um, about decorative art in Alabama, that has ever been published. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's kind really of like an untapped resource uh, for people interested in, you know, doing new research in decorative arts. I, I would tell them to, you know, look in the South. That's so exciting. Yeah, right? Yeah, to be on the cusp of something that hasn't yet been really explored is really so fun. It really, it really is. So was there anything you found during your research that surprised you? Um, well, I didn't know coming into it that Rosalie, the historic house in Natchez, has the, um, has an intact set of Belter furniture. Um, and I think it's the, lar- the largest in the United States. Um, I, it's actually the pattern on it. There's been other Belter furniture that's been discovered that, it's called, that they call it the Rosalie pattern. Um, after the, after the furniture that was discovered in Rosalie. Um, so that was really interesting, being able to kind of touch and move Belter furniture, uh, especially because, like, in my classes, you know, we, like, learned so much about Belter furniture. Yeah. And so, um, just curious, so when did Rosalie become a museum home? I'm not exactly sure. I'm not sure the exact date. I think... I think maybe in the seventies, but you'll you might have to. I'm gonna be wrong. We have to set up. Um, yeah, I was just curious because um, they must have been. Was it being used while the owners were living there? Yeah, for for most of the you know the twentieth century, that family was still living there. Um, so, like, I mean, relatively recently, I guess it it, it was bought by the DAR and the museum. Um, but yeah, there was. Um, there's a portrait in one of the rooms of the, the last survivor uh, of that of that lineage. Um, so yeah, so again, it, it just shows you the long story of these houses really being lived in until fairly recently. That is so exciting. I know it really was 
it was quite a unique experience. I really, there was another house I went to, um, the one I was talking about before, uh, Dameswood in Alabama. Um, the, the, one of the days, um, our days our days off, we met up with a bunch of people that uh, were working in Old Cahaba, which is um, another museum in Alabama. And she just kind of casually mentioned that she's an ancestor of the, of the original family of Dameswood. And I just thought that was incredible. She was, oh, and I used to be the curator there, too. And I just thought that was kind of crazy, like, that she just kind of casually mentioned that the historic house that we had visited the day before was her ancestral home. So that was kind of just nuts. She, she was like, oh, yeah, um, that dining room, uh, my great-grandparents got married in that dining room. <gasps> I mean, it's, <laughs> so it, it, it really is crazy to kind of be talking to, like, the living ancestors of these gorgeous houses, these historic houses. That is so cool. Yeah, you don't really see people living in their ancestors' homes anymore or even knowing where their grandparents, you know, like, lived or their great-grandparents. Exactly. Oh, that's so cool. So, um, okay, so I have um, another another question. Um, so are these homes, their state homes that they would – retire to in the countryside or were they plantations how did how are these homes functioning back in the antebellum period okay that's a great question so in natchez these actually were considered townhouses i mean there would be slaves on the property but they were not functioning as plantation houses these families would have had their plantations um further you know in a more rural area whether it was Louisiana or Mississippi, um, Natchez is on the border of Louisiana and Mississippi, um, but it's technically in Mississippi. But the houses that we visited, especially, you know, ones like Rosalie that I was discussing before, um, those were, yeah, those were townhouses. Those were, those would be houses that would be used by the family, um, you know, for the social season. Um, so those weren't considered plantations. And what is the social season in the South? Um... I don't know exactly, like, the, the, you know, when the social season would be, um, but I think maybe it's, it's kind of like in England, you know, where your daughter comes out to society. Um, there's actually, so one thing that's very interesting about Natchez, Mississippi, is something called pilgrimage. Um, in the 1930s, when a lot of these historic houses, um, were, you know, kind of going into disrepair, um, a lot of these these women in organizations like the Daughters of the American Revolution, um, you know, women like that, like old blue blood families, started this, um, this organization called the Natchez Garden Club. And what they did was they invited people to boost tourism. They invited people into their historic antebellum homes. Um, and it became kind of, it became a yearly event. Um, and it developed into something that it, it would even have a king and queen of pilgrimage that would be like a young, you know, teenage couple in town that's parents, you know, were upstanding members of the community. And they would um, have tableaus at the houses with the, with the teenagers in, you know, skirts, antebellum dresses. Um, so it's a tradition that has continued up until the present day. Uh, Natchez, its biggest um, form of tourism is Natchez pilgrimage. And they have it every fall and every spring, and you can tour all of these historic houses. And you know everybody's dressed up in 
skinny antebellum clothing and they crown king and queen of pilgrimage and it's become a tradition. So that's kind of an interesting um, 20th century um, society uh, tradition that's gone on. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Do you think you'll try to make it down there at some point? I would love to. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, that's, I went to most of the historic houses in Natchez, but it would be interesting to see this, you know, this tradition that has been going on since the 1930s. Yeah. See it in action. Yeah, and to dress up and to sort of see it within the context that it was would be cool. Exactly. And wow. what's funny is that these, obviously, a lot of the clothing isn't like historically accurate or anything. It's um, it just kind of became a tradition of like of society, society ladies. Um, but it's it's their biggest, still their biggest uh, uh, tourism draw. That's interesting. That sounds really fun. I want to check that out. And I'll post the link to that, too, just in case anyone wants to check that out and go down sometime. <laughs> um, Hannah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and enlightening us. Um, I'm glad that you had such a fun summer. I was so jealous. Your Instagrams were awesome. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for coming on. All right. Thank you, Hannah. No problem. Take care. Bye.